Celeste Florenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che da Entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Les Georges, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus! C'est fort devant le Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! Wednesday it is. Ah, yeah. The Wild Wild West. Wednesday. I don't know why I went there with that. It felt like it. Who knows? I'm curious about things, Chuck. You know that. Curiosity. Why do they say curiosity killed the cat? I don't know. Glad to have you with us here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Today, we're going to span the globe. We're going to span the globe. We are going to go overseas, across the pond, Paul Buck Power Stewart. Which way would that be? That'd be east about, I don't know, how many miles? 5,400 miles. I don't know. Then we're going to go to Canada, to Edmonton, Jesus Lopez, who does a fantastic job on the Spanish broadcast of the Vegas Golden Knights. He's in Edmonton. And we'll get the vibe there as the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights will get it on tonight in game number four. And that will uh, face off a little bit after 7 o'clock, a little bit later start than uh, than Monday start. And we'll see if the Golden Knights can get another victory and take a commanding three games to one lead in this best of seven series. You know Edmonton's going to be ready to roll. And you know who else is going to be ready to roll tonight as we go to the West Coast. San Francisco, the Golden State Warriors, seven and a half point favorites over the Los Angeles Lakers. What is going to happen tonight? I know there are people out there that think that oh, Lakers may close it out. People still are thinking that uh, Lakers are going to win this series. They have the advantage of three games to one, one game at a time. The champs have their back against the wall. Is it their time to exit? Or is it their time to answer the bell? I'm saying they'll answer the bell tonight, just like they did in Game 5 against Sacramento on the road. Game number 7, as they did in Sacramento on the road, won the series, put him in this series. But the Warriors have lost a home game. They lost two games in L.A. Uh, All of those games, they led. They let leads get away. They turned the basketball over. And the lone game where they did win, which was game two, is a bounce-back situation. They blew out the Lakers by 30. So actually 27, 127 to 100. So I 
firmly believe and expect the Warriors to show up tonight. I think a lot of people do. Lay the seven and a half and uh, take the Warriors uh, tonight. I'm feeling pretty good because I got the Warriors on a money line uh, parlay that uh, cashed in at plus money last night. So I'm I'm happy with that. Just get the victory. And uh, one game at a time. I do not want to see this Warriors team exit. Don't want to see them. Still believe they're a better team. Can't believe that the Lakers are playing as well as they have. But, hey, give the Lakers credit. They're doing great. But tonight is game number five in San Francisco. And expect a, a top-notch performance by the Warriors if they take care of the ball. The big if. If they take care of the ball, they will win and force a game six for Friday. And then how about a game seven Sunday back in San Francisco at the Chase Center? That could be wild. All right, so let's see uh, what happens with that. All right, so today, Paul Buck Power Stewart, uh, he's going to join us. Uh, we'll talk all things England. Who knows what else with him? Uh, Jesus Lopez in Edmonton getting ready for the Golden Knights and uh, the Edmonton Oilers game tonight. Alan Snell will join us because, of course, we have uh, got more news, and we talked about that on the show yesterday when it went down, that uh, Bally's has now made an agreement with the Oakland A's and the ballpark situation has shifted, as we talked about yesterday. We'll dive into that with Alan Snell today from LVSportsBiz.com, the astute writer and uh, the editor that he is. Alan Snell will be with us to talk about that situation. Just last week, we had him in here, and we were talking about, okay, that's uh, stadium is going to go on the other side of Tropicana, of Tropicana and I-15, where the old Wild West, Wild Wild West, Casino used to be. Remember that? Wild 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 West Casino? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Wild Wild West Wednesday? Yeah. There you go. But now, so Station Casino's out. Bally's is in. Now you're going to blow up the the Trop, the Tropicana Hotel Casino, and that's where the $1.5 billion park is going to be built. So we'll dive into that today. So a lot to hit on. You know what the best part of that is? What is the best part? We get... An implosion in Vegas. That's I funny. love it. It's funny you say that because that's exactly what I'm going to bring up to him. That's exactly what I was going to bring up to him. I go, hey, you know, we haven't had an implosion in a while. I'm going to this uh, one. You going to go? No, no matter what time it is, if it's New Year's Eve, I've been around a couple of implosions. Yeah, absolutely, and explosions too. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the last implosion? No, I do. No. Was it, it was the rib? Wasn't oh, it? Oh, ring it up for Numchuck. Remember what year? 2018? 2015? 2015? I believe okay. 2015. Yeah. It was right after I moved back. And I said, all right, we've got an employee. I used to love the Riv. I used to do boxing shows at the Riv, go to great entertainment events there. And you filmed several movies there. I really liked the Riv. Watch them blow up the Riv. Uh, before that, what was the other, the previous implosion? See how much you would Vegas history. I wouldn't even have a clue. What time? When did you move here? 11. Oh, you weren't here. Yeah. I believe that. And uh, I wasn't here at the time either. That was when I was in between Vegas stints. 2007, Stardust. Oh, that was like, it was a New Year's Eve one because I remember they did the countdown on it. Yeah. See, there you go. Uh, before that, probably Aladdin. Monte Carlo, maybe. Monte Carlo. Or, oh. or, or not Monte Carlo. No, Monte Carlo um, was renamed. What's the one that was? No. Now I'm going to say Aladdin. The Aladdin. You probably don't remember the Aladdin. I remember the Aladdin. I've, yeah. So I've been coming back and forth since I was four. Oh. So, I mean. You never came to any NWC shows at the Silver Nugget or the Aladdin back in the day. 
I was young. I was a young buck. 1995? 94, 95, 96? Like 13. 13? Come on. You're re- WrestleManiac in those I, days. I actually was. What are you talking about? Jeez. Oh, I did a guest spot last night, you know, on, on KT. Oh, I, I heard. You, oh, you did? Oh, I heard. How'd you hear? Because he posted it and I saw your name and I was like, oh, I got to see what he says. Oh, did you listen? I listened to like half did, of it, half of it, and I was like, "Okay, I'm yeah. done." Oh, we see, you should have hung with the best part at the end. Oh, so now I have to he, go back. He he had me hang over for a, a second segment, right? So um, you probably know Marky Mark, right? Mark Hoke, who does Hoke? the wrestling yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. So you know, Mark's always talking to me about wrestling. Wants me to come on his show, and I said, "Man, I can't. I can't talk modern wrestling. You want to talk old school wrestling? Yeah, I'll, I'll come on." So what's he do coming out of the break? Plays Rick Derringer, real oh, American. Nice. So I was all set to just like go into my Hulk Hogan, right? But then KT, as you know how KT does, he just, just starts rambling right after the break, right? He starts rambling. So I, I, so now he talks for like two minutes. So now I can't go back and do that. And I know Mark played that song for because you. I, exactly. He did it for you. Yeah, he did. It's the same way I do it. So. It now lost his luster, so I'm sitting there on the phone. Should I, should I do what I was planning on doing when he's playing the song? Should I go into my Hulk Hogan and do that? But now KG's talking to hockey, this and that. He's asking me about Aaron Rodgers. So I couldn't just, like, discard his question and go with that, right? So we wrap it up. Now, okay, I want to thank TC. He's going to the top of the hour, right? So then what do I do? What are you talking about, KT? I said, we got to talk a little Hulkamaniac before you. This goes out to Marky Mark, Rick Derringer, baby. That's right, not rock and roll hoochie coo, but talking about a real American. I'm ripping off my T-shirt right now. Oh, yeah. What you going to do when the doctor runs wild on you? I was so happy I did that because I wanted that so bad. You could have got that last night, but you, you, you turned me off. Well, it was his show, so you turned him off. But you're bored with what I was saying? I it was just no, I was it was time for dinner. Oh god, he's running across oh leg drop, oh elbow drop. And still heavyweight champion. Me. See, I love that I that, like I can play that anytime I want and get whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, just don't play uh, don't play that macho theme or the hot rod theme. I, I, I can play this and get whatever I want. Oh. Give it to me. Give it. Give it up. <laughs> you know what they say. What does a true Scotsman wear underneath this kilt? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. One coconut. <laughs> Two coconut. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to break anything. There you go. Woo! You want to go for the trifecta while we're at it? Yeah, yeah. Elizabeth, where's she at? Yeah. Where's Elizabeth making the mint julep of Kentucky Derby time? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, yeah? Numchuck, I don't know if you can hang with any of this stuff that Macho Madness is talking about. And yeah. Who's that other macho man, this goofball hanging around the corners over on Eastern Avenue? Who's that guy? What's that? Nah, he's all right. He's all right. But yeah, Hulk Hogan, yeah. Like when Macho says, Hulk, he's like that. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, you got nothing. Got nothing on the real macho man. Yeah. Love it. 
Paul Bookpower Stewart's listening right now? I sure as hell hope he is. Because <laughs> this has a little, little English twang to it, don't you think? Oh, I'm ta- out of breath now. Talking about Buck Power, I'll, I'll take it for a second. Are we going to get a coronation update? Uh, talking about King Charles. King Charles, who's he? He plays for the Who does uh, he play for? Royal Family Soccer Team. Is that a Royal Rumble reference? Or Roy- I, don't, I don't know. What about King Charles? He just got coronated this weekend. Got coronated. That means he is coronation. Now, they put a crown on his head. Is they, just, they, they crowned him, baby. They actually do that. They, they put a do. crown on your head. Yes. With thorns? No thorns. <laughs> oh, when did this happen? So I just get a message from Paul. Yeah. What the hell are you guys drinking on this segment? <laughs> <laughs> this is how we do it, Buck Power. Buck Power is coming on. Hang tight for that. That's always entertaining. People love when Buck Power comes on as we go across the pond. <sighs> you know what's funny, too? We just get random people just walking by the window here, <laughs> walking by the studio, and they stop and they look, and what's happening in there? What is that guy doing? What is that guy doing? So those that didn't, well, you couldn't because there's no video here, but um, I had to take a break. I had to run the ropes. I like doing the ropes. You know, the Irish whip off the ropes. And then coming back with the elbow drop or a leg drop. Yeah. Didn't have enough room to do the leg drop today, so just settled her elbow. All right. Where was I going? I mean, you really disrupt things here. You were talking about KT. You you were talking about your KT appearance, and then you stopped and went on that. Mm -hmm. And then we weren't. Was I done with the KT? I think you were done with the KT. Yeah, because I think the whole purpose of that was to tell you about Real American. Yes. Hulkamaniac. Okay. Good deal. Right. All right. Um, I got to get something off my chest here. Let's get it. Deep breath. You could take this if you want as a leftover terrible Tuesday. Even though this was a not a terrible Tuesday. I mean, it's a it's a Wednesday, and wasn't aware of this story until today. So it's really not a leftover terrible Tuesday. But I'm going to vent like it is. All right. So. John Anderson of ESPN. He's doing a highlight package the other night of the Vegas Golden Knights win over the Edmonton Oilers. And he is showing Zach, I say he, like he's in charge of running the highlight package. He's the anchor. You know, John Anderson is, right? Um, Golden Knights over Edmonton. Breaking down the highlights, and he's they're showing Zach Whitecloud's second period goal. John Anderson of ESPN says this after they show the goal from Zach Whitecloud. What kind of name is Whitecloud? Great name if you're a toilet paper. Okay. Another terrible audio. Session here, and we talked about what Bob Huggins did yesterday. We talked about Glenn Kuyper from the A's yesterday on Terrible Tuesday. Well, people are upset with this. Obviously, Zach Whitecloud was upset at this. Zach Whitecloud, for those that don't know, he's the first member of the Sioux Valley Dakota Nation tribe. All right, he's a proud Native American, and you know what else he is? He's forgiving because John Anderson thinks he's funny like most of these ESPN clowns, all right? And, of course, John Anderson apologized, right? 
Again, apology much later, like the next day, after someone scolded him. His apology is this. Uh, this is totally on me, and I sincerely apologize to Zach, the Golden Knights, their fans, and everyone else for what I said. It's my job to be prepared and know the backgrounds of the players, and I blew it. What do you think of that apology? Wholeheartedly, you're, you're you're saying like you're asking me a question. Like, if, is it sincere? Yes or no? Is it come I, across sincere? If you've seen the video, or like the the, the the live of his, his apology, yes, he had tears in his eyes. I think it might have been real. He's an actor, you know that, right? Everybody who's an anchor is an actor. Okay. Oh no, I I thought that you were talking about White Cloud's uh, apology, or that that he accepted. Not Anderson, sorry. Anderson apologized because yeah. Anderson the one that said it. Yeah. Okay. I just read you the apology. Yeah. Okay. So he didn't say the apology on the air. No. Okay. Let's be clear about that. He just, this was, he released this. And here's why I, I say this because when you say, this is totally on me, I sincerely apologize to Zach, the Golden Knights, their fans, and everyone else for what I said. It's my job to be prepared and know the backgrounds of the players. And I blew it. Okay. He's still in that comedic vein to a certain degree. If you have a sincere apology, it's really heartfelt and you don't say, I blew it. This is totally on me. This, I mean, just, just come in and just say what I said was stupid. You know, I sincerely apologize if I offended anyone. Not only he didn't say anything about the tribe. Did you notice that? Why don't you send your apologies? To White Cloud, his family, friends, indigenous people, the tribe. That's more of an apology. But here's the thing. All right. ESPN anchors think they're funny. They aren't. And they try way too hard to be funny. They literally think that they need to be comedians and... They spend more time on writing what they're going to say and their delivery than they actually do with the homework that they're presenting on the air. Okay. I'm really tired of the mispronunciation of names. All right. We see that all the time. I'm tired of them trying to get, you know, uh, be funny, getting information wrong. Because they are hired to be personalities, okay? I mean, why else would you know, ESPN, after decades upon decades, say, you know, Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt, you know, basically making it a show, and then with all the anchors doing these things, everything has to be in kind of a comedic way. Everyone wants to try to have their niche with their paraphrasing of their, their sayings and the, and the way they come across. Here's another thing a lot of people probably don't know. John Anderson is from Green Bay, right? Now, I never knew him when he was in Green Bay because he grew up there, went to high school there. He actually went to high school from right down from the high school closest to my house when I lived in Green Bay. Uh, I talked about several players that uh, I've coached there at, at that high school where he went. And they have like a little plaque of him 
outside of the gymnasium and John with his suit and tie on, you know. My point is he's from Green Bay. Do you know that Green Bay is one of the most has some of the most indigenous areas and in land of the Oneida Nation, you know, tribe? And that's the thing too. It's called the Oneida Nation Indians, okay? As well, too. So he knows this. He has to know this. And Green Bay is a huge Native American Indian population. All right? They have their own casino five minutes away from that high school. Plenty of sovereign land around there. All right? And if he doesn't know that White Cloud is a Native name as a journalist for 20-plus years at ESPN and been doing this, then again, shame on him. Of course he knows that White Cloud is it saying, oh, I didn't do my homework on the players. You don't have to know the player. You don't even have to look at him or, or, or watch the Golden Knights play. If your last name is White Cloud, more than likely you're Native American. So these apologies, they run hollow on me. And again, the bigger picture is just stop with the humor. Stop with the humor when you're delivering highlight packages because your audience at home isn't there to be entertained. They want to know who scored, how many points they scored. Did we see a triple play? Did we see a no-hitter? Did we see a near no-hitter? Did we see Steph Curry go off for 50? This is why we watch Sports Center. Not to hear these jokes that usually backfire, that aren't funny, and is insulting or racist. And in this case, that was it. Again, here's what he said. He goes, White Cloud, what kind of name is that? <laughs> oh, great. If you're a toilet paper, what does that what does that mean? What does where's the toilet reference? Help me out here. I think he's trying to do like the Charmin, how they've got like the white cloud. Oh, the, that's funny. It, it, it's stupid as hell, but <laughs> really? That's what you get? That's, that's where he's going, you think? I think. Cause what now? Cause like they have the picture of like, it's like the soft white clouds or they're trying to do like white clouds, softness, toilet oh, paper. Okay. That's where he's going. Yeah. Hmm. Should have went with that. Yeah. Instead of saying white cloud, what kind of name is that? I think his family feels about that. I don't well, know. well, it's a very proud heritage name. That's what it is. Ah, uh, th- that just, that kind of stuff just ir- irritates me, you know? And you know, I don't even know what's worse, that or the type of broadcasting that guys do when they want to break news because they want to have, they want to be the breaking news guy. And again, this all feeds into everything that ESPN does here because they need credit. How many times do you see on a daily basis on the bottom line, the ticker there? Cause ESPN is so guilty of, of all of this stuff, right? Uh, Breaking news. Oh, first reported by Adam Schefter or whoever it is. First reported by. Who cares? Nobody cares. I want to know if whatever Aaron Rodgers signed with the Jets. I don't, I don't care if Adam Schefter reports it or Nilly Willy or whoever. It doesn't matter. Hold, Why even put that on there? Hold on. Save the screen. If Nilly Willy's reporting it, yeah? I'm not taking it. You're not taking it? Nope. I, I think they do oh, that. So you for, bought into it. No, no. I think they're doing it for to get people to be like, hey, this is actually a real thing. No, it's on not, your network. 
It's on your network. If you're reporting it, it should that should be enough because you never saw that before. Going way back, CBS, ABC, NBC, True. you never saw that. Think, yeah. But it's ESPN, all right? Never saw a production show where we can give awards and call it the SBs, right? This is what I've always talked about with ESPN. They're into the self-promotion game. They want to self-promote themselves, a brand. They want to have a brand. They want to have a trophy named after them. They want to replicate the Academy Awards. Why? No one else ever did it. Oh, let's do that. We want to have breaking news by our reporters. Now, when they got a lot of flack about that, now you know what they do? They'll give the other outlet credit. They'll say, oh, well, first reported by so-and-so from USA Today. Bob Nightingale, let's give him a shout-out, okay, if it's baseball-related. But that's where the whole problem here is with this. And when you think that you're bigger than these stories and you're bigger than the sports, of course you're going to take liberty and think, oh, I'm a comedian. I can say this. I can get away with it. Oh, what happened? Look what happened in the last 48 to 72 hours. Bonehead 20-year broadcaster for the Oakland A's says the N-word. Says the N-word. Then we have Bob Huggins talking about Catholic fags. Says that. And then we have John Anderson, white clad. What kind of name is that? Great if you're a toilet paper. I mean, just insane. Everybody wants to be a comedian or just be stupid. And that's what's pathetic. Zach Whitecloud, very proud. He's very forgiving. Forgave John Anderson. Those that don't know, and I think a lot of Golden Knights fans know about Zach Whitecloud, you know, Raised in Manitoba, up in up in Canada, uh, he's a big charity guy. Goes out of his way, uh, visits hospitals, does a lot for his community up there. Even here in in, in Las Vegas. Here's what Zach Whitecloud had to say in response to John Anderson's moronic tone. I don't want to be in front of you, all you guys talking about this, and um, but with that comes an opportunity to allow not just John and, and myself, but everyone to learn from this incident to to move forward and, and make sure that these things don't don't happen again. Um, and, and I just want to make that point clear too. John, John recognizes that and he um, obviously was, I believe he was sincere in his apology and um, I just wanted to reiterate to him that I was going to be the first person to reach out my hand and offer, um, just to offer help, because uh, people make mistakes, right? And and uh, it's just a time for everyone to learn and move forward, right? So, all right, Zach Whitecloud talking about uh, what uh, John Anderson said. So again, a, a very forgiving guy, just uh, just ridiculous. All right. All right, so we have got plenty more to talk about today uh, on the NFL side. I'm going to save my my next NFL story to share with uh, our guy across the pond who covers the NFL in Europe, in England specifically, Paul Buck Power Stewart. He's going to join us. And again, uh, coming up uh, next hour, Alan Snell will get the latest developments, and they are new developments on the Oakland A's stadium that will be coming here in Las Vegas. Uh, he will be joining us next hour, as will uh, Jesus Lopez, 
the Spanish voice of the Vegas Golden Knights as we get ready for the Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers coming up uh, later tonight. We'll talk NBA, that, and a whole lot more coming your way. It is a Wild Wednesday. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. All right, come on, join us Friday at the Westgate Las Vegas. There we go. You gotta love the Superbook. Come and join us on Friday. Big Mo's gonna join us on Friday. Paul McKeskey, our other seven footer, could hardly wait uh, for that as we talk NBA playoffs and uh, a whole lot more as well, too. And don't forget the, the great uh, Coaches versus Cancer event with our good friend Lon Kruger. Uh, that all gets underway uh, Sunday and Monday at the MGM Golf on Tuesday as well, too. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, support uh, Lon Kruger and uh, Coaches versus Cancer. We've talked about it, what, 16 years in running, raising so much money uh, for a great cause. All right, so we've got all of that and a whole lot more coming your way. So, yeah, come and see us on Friday at the world-famous Superbook of the Westgate Las Vegas. All right, our next guest is uh, It's late at night. I don't know if he's tipping back a few or whatever it is, but I noticed that he was dancing to a little cameo. I don't know what he knows about cameo, but I know one thing. I believe he's a Cool in the Gang fan. The one and only Paul Buck Power Stewart. What is going on? Oh, I am, re- I am ready for a celebration. I love Cool in the Gang. I was very envious you got to see them live, TC. Yes, those are my guys, Paul. Those are my guys. And uh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that you had a little, uh, you know, Hollywood swinging in you, my friend. I didn't know that you could get down on it. Oh, very good. I've just booked tickets to see Lionel Richie and then the Pet Shop Boys. They're the next two gigs I'll be going to here in England. Wow. Now, is that together or separate? No, they're separate gigs. But, yeah, the, the Pet Shop Boys are the, the, the last 80s bands I've always wanted to see that I'm going to tick off my bucket list. I've seen everybody else from the 80s I wanted to see. Come on, Nubchuck. We, ha- we, 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 you got to give me some West End girls. Can you give me some West End girls? You can't- he has no idea what we are talking about, TC. <laughs> uh, Nubchuck, you do know what West End girls are. I know exactly what it is. I just know we can't do it because of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah because Paul's with us right now. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Didn't think about it, did you? You said it, you're well, like... because we just played cool in the gang. But I know it's too technical. Yeah. Know. Yeah, I understand. Anyway, Buck Power. How you been, my friend? I've been very well. I cannot believe what I was listening to in the first half first half hour of that show. And I almost had to reevaluate my availability. <laughs> that was classic radio, what you two guys were doing on the first half hour. Thank you, my friend. See, I have, I have like, uh, when Marco D'Angelo joins us, you know, he's so serious about his point spreads and everything. And then when you go off on the rails like this, he's going, uh, I, I don't know. Is, 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 is anybody listening? Of course they're listening. They want to hear about nonsense. They want to hear about food. They want to hear the ranting and raving. I mean, that's what we do here. We'll, we'll, we'll cover it all for you from sea to shining sea. 
that's what that's what sports media entertainment is all about, TC. I mean, I've had a couple of people message me who've heard me on the show who were asking me about the whole coronation thing last week that you were talking about. So I've been answering questions on Facebook to Vegas listeners telling me what was going on last weekend in London. All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, you know, yeah. being as naive as I am, you know, again, I don't live over there. <laughs> I, I, I'm not really, you know, into politics, especially English politics. But you guys had something happening last weekend. Was it Saturday? It was kind of a big deal. Yeah, this is nothing to do with politics. This is the royal family. So last year, of course, the Queen passed away. She'd been the ruler here for 72 years, longest ruling monarch we'd ever had. And she is succeeded by her son, Prince Charles, who became King Charles. And last weekend was the official coronation, which is it's a you know, series of ceremonies going back a thousand years, takes place at Westminster Abbey, the crown's put on his head. It's a fantastic event. And it's something, it's the pomp and circumstance that the British do so well, and that everyone around the world, I know the American public, love that we do all this. You've all seen The Crown on Netflix, the show. This was the real thing. This was King Charles officially becoming the king of our country wow and uh, now were you there paul were you, were you there on the balcony uh, at buckingham palace uh strangely enough my invite must got lost in the post <laughs> i was about as welcome as prince harry and Meghan markle were i don't know what the heck you're talking about i don't even know what that means but apparently numchuck does uh so wait a minute now so the coronation was last weekend what took so long i mean she died a long time ago yeah, it, it's something that always, it, it never happened straight away. It's something that takes a lot of planning and organization because it became a public holiday in this country so that everyone could watch it. And over 20 million people tuned in to watch it. Um, it's just one of those things. Yes, Charles became king the moment he, his mother, the queen, died. But this is just the official recognition of it. But he was actually, he took over. I mean, so if something actually went down where a king had to make a decision, he could have done this prior to last weekend, correct? Yeah, it's something that usually takes a few months in the planning and put together, which is what happened. So now, of course, Prince William is now the heir to the throne. He is the next in line to the throne. And he was there knowing, of course, one day it will be him. He will become the next king after Charles. All right. There it is. A big deal in England. And our on-the-spot uh, reporter, there it is, the family reporter, Paul Buckpower Stewart. Uh, that sounds- yeah, I was, actually, I was actually on the golf course while the, <laughs> the um, coronation was going on. I've got my priorities sorted, TC. As you should be, my friend. All right, let's talk a little uh, NHL playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs. Paul, where do you stand on, on, on the title list? Now, I understand once we get to the finals, it's the Stanley Cup finals. But if we're in the first round, second round, are you calling it the Stanley Cup playoffs all the way through? Or is it just the NHL playoffs? Stanley Cup playoffs would be the way. I mean, to be honest, I mean, the the first round was amazing because you had so many upsets. You had the three teams with the best home records in the regular season, Boston, Toronto and Tampa. They went two and ten at home in their first round games. And to be honest, Vegas's win over Winnipeg was sort of one of the expected results. None of the other results really went to form, you know, with Florida winning, you know, sweep it, taking over Boston. Tampa, Toronto was close. Seattle getting through, pulling Colorado out. So now it's wide open. And to 
be honest, if Vegas can do the business in game four tonight, and I think they've got the edge because the Oilers are really a one-line team, and if you can stay out of the penalty box, you can beat them, then, to be honest, the path is there for Vegas to go all the way to the Stanley Cup where they'll probably end up playing the Carolina Hurricanes. That That is a Brit that's uh, talking hockey like he knows it inside out. I want to know one thing, Paul Buck Power Stewart. Uh, what, what is the popularity of hockey? What is the interest there in your parts? It's well, the NFL is the biggest of the American sports by far. Then it's probably basketball. Then baseball and hockey are behind that. Now, the, hockey has been huge in Britain for years. There's a British league that's been incredibly successful for 40, 50 years. In fact, Great Britain even won the gold medal at the Winter Olympics in 1936. Um, so hockey's been... 1936! Yeah, you know, I, I thought he was going to say, you know, I was going to say, well, I know it didn't happen recently. I don't remember. So we got to go back to 1936 and you have a professionally... How come I never hear of any of these uh, uh, English skaters in the NHL? I mean, how many Englanders are there in the NHL? Um, None. <laughs> it's the same as when we talked about the Great Britain baseball team and the Olympics being no British You couldn't players. even get a guy in the Buffalo British Sabres? Adults. Is that what you're telling me? You couldn't get anybody on the Ducks? I mean, come on now. I think it's one of those sports where, again, it's you've got people in Canada and the northern parts of America, they're growing up skating all the time and they're going to have that natural ability which can never be replicated in in country like great britain where we don't really have the facilities and the rings to do it now you know you go to other european countries where hockey is in their blood sweden um you know in in the russian countries czechoslovakia places like that so it's one of those things that hockey is popular now i have an nhl tv subscription i've watched every lightning game and i now watch the highlights of all the playoff games because i'm interested to see who gets through and as of right now as I say I think it is if Vegas wins tonight then it does set up for them and the Carolina to meet in the Stanley Cup but right now it's been such a topsy-turvy upset series in the playoffs who who knows I mean it's just funny that the, the Florida Panthers could put Toronto out tonight that is really funny that is uh, and what a season that they have had uh, they get in as the eight seed they upset Boston like like you talk about and then now all of a sudden they're on the verge of, of, of sweeping the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, the big story we talked about it was that the, the Panthers did not want to have their, uh, arena invaded, uh, by all these Maple Leaf fans. And, uh, I've been watching the games and I'm really not sure how many Maple Leaf fans are actually in there, but they were so concerned with that. We remember that they wanted a, a proof of, um, you know, American citizenship or, you know, an ID, they weren't going to allow Canadian fans to purchase tickets. I know it's quite interesting now, but what's quite funny is normally Florida Panther home games have got 60% empty seats. It's known as empty right. seat arena. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's a great, I mean, I can understand there are, there's no sporting franchise anywhere in the world whose fans are more disliked than the Toronto Maple Leafs because they're so arrogant and they've done nothing to justify it on the ice. So it's really funny when they get beaten. And yet they're, they're the biggest whiners and complainers about calls. So to be honest, I think it'd be really funny if Florida beat them as long as the Panthers then get hammered by Carolina. There's only one decent hockey team in Florida, and it's north of north of where the Panthers play. Yeah, that team is sitting home right now, packing up and they're on vacation, correct? 
Yeah, because they, they're they too busy looking at their Stanley Cup rings and trophies, TC. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> Paul Buckpower Stewart, the diehard Tampa Bay Lightning fan, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, and yes, the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa oh, yes. Bay Rays with the best record in baseball right now. Uh, it, it's just amazing how you have... L- you know, lynched on to this, this Tampa Bay area. I don't know if TJ Reeves was a bad influence for you or, or what, <laughs> but how anybody can watch games on a daily basis. I don't know if you're doing this. I don't know if you have the MLB extra in yes. package, that subscription ball, but it yes. is impossible to watch a game in that juice box at Tropicana Field. It's dingy. It's dark. It talk about empty seat haven that the Florida Panthers have. You know, you got that with the race. Still the best team in baseball record wise. And they're still not filling up the place. They played the Yankees last weekend and half of the joint was filled with Yankees fans. Yeah, there, there are a lot of Yankee fans. Actually, I'd like to take back that comment about Toronto Maple Leaf fans being the worst. I forgot the Yankees. They're on another. They're on another planet in more ways than one. Yeah, the top is pretty. It's a pretty horrible place. But as I said before, my association is with the Buccaneers, and from going out there, I've gone to watch the Lightning. I've gone to watch the Rays. So I've become fans of those teams. And yes, I watch every Rays game. I watch them the following morning because of the time difference. So I'll be sitting working tomorrow morning. I've got a big team. TV here. I will watch the Rays game against the Orioles. I won't know the result. I watch it as live. And baseball's one of those games where you don't have to watch it intently. Whereas hockey, you can't really take your eyes off the screen. Baseball's one of those games where you look when something happens. Mm-hmm. And, and so far this season, it's been very successful for the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm-hmm. Paul Buckpower Stewart joins us, uh, covers the NFL there in Europe. And again, uh, buckpower.com does a fantastic job with his website covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know that you have a lot of Tampa Bay uh, memorabilia in your office. Uh, you've been around that organization. You make regular trips back there. I'm curious, Paul, if you can give me one guy, which might be impossible to do, Give me that one Tampa Bay Buccaneer that you are either most proud of or you had a relationship with that maybe is your all-time favorite Buccaneer. Who is that? Leroy, Leroy Selman, without a question. Now, Leroy was the Bucks' first ever draft pick in 1976. He was the first Buck in the Hall of Fame in 95. And for many years, he had a restaurant in Tampa, and I'd never met him. I kept missing him. And when the Bucks came to London in 09 for the first time they came over, I was the sort of feature they were filming for NFL films, and Leroy Selman was there, and they surprised me getting to meet him. And they couldn't use what I said because it just completely dumbstruck me that I was meeting him and we became very good friends before he passed away he was a great man a lovely man and he will always be my favorite player and I'm proud behind me I've got a signed picture of of him and one of me with him so yeah so Leroy will always be my favorite but someone else who might surprise you as one of my favorite players is Trent Dilfer really okay the pride of Fresno State one of the nicest people I have ever had the pleasure to meet um, in, in any sport. Really nice guy. He can actually, he's got a lower golf handicap than me, which I'm a bit envious of, but he is just a really nice person. He, what his NFL career wasn't as successful as it could have been. He's the first to admit that. He's made a very successful career as a broadcaster since. And he, yeah, he's just one of my favorites as well. And again, there's a signed picture of Trent up on my wall. Again, I was proud to count him as a friend as well. Yeah. And, you know, really, I, that's not surprising to me because it doesn't have to be uh, a guy that has won, you know, multi Super Bowls or multi All Star Pro Bowler. 
if we're talking about football players, it's guys like that's the question that I had for you. I mean, who kind of resonates with you, whether it was, you know, their play on the field or those experiences? Because, you know, with us in the media, we do get those opportunities to get up and close to a lot of these players. And, you know, some of my closest friends are or, 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 you know, best friends players wise or coaches wise, maybe are not the guys that uh, had the, the best careers, but you know, what kind of people they are. So I can totally relate to what you're saying. So no, no shame at all saying Trent Dofer. No, something I've done, and I've done a lot of this, I, I'm friends with over 400 former Buccaneer players, and I've done many highlight video reels of their careers. And I've had guys contact me saying, hey, I played five games in 1988, and I've gone away and pulled clips off them and put it together. And it means such a lot to them. They, you know, they knew they've got their page on the NFL, but they've also got a page on Buck Power. I've got pictures, and I've been able to put video highlights of their career together. And it's something I've always done for for Buccaneer players, the Bucks put players onto me and I'm happy to help them out. And again, I might be 5,000 miles from you on 4,000 miles from Tampa, but I'm still able to help these people out. And I've become friends with so many of them. And that really means a lot. As you get older, you do things because it's the right thing to do, not for any financial return. Right. All right. Speaking of the Buccaneers, uh, what was your thoughts uh, on the draft? And what do you think the outlook is? I mean, they've, they've got some changes coming. Yeah, my view on the Bucks, and I've been saying this on different shows, is, to be honest, the credit card bill is now due. They mortgaged everything for the three years with Tom Brady, which was the right thing to do. They went all in. They got into cap hell. My view now is you pay the bill off, you take a bad season, you reset it. And, and I'm not – if the Bucks go 5 and 12, 6 and 11, I don't care because it's worth it for what happened the previous three years, and there's a super, there's another Super Bowl trophy sitting uh, in, in Tampa because of it. Now, I'm not a big college football expert. I have no clue whether these players they've drafted are going to be good, bad, fantastic, and I have no time for the likes of Mel Kuyper and people like that who think they're draft experts when every year they get all the picks wrong and most of their comments are completely wrong, but they've made a living out of it. So right now, everyone thinks, oh, this team's had a good draft, that team's had a bad draft. We don't know. And until they get on the field and we've seen them for even one to two to three years, that's when you can decide if the draft is good. But all 32 teams are optimistic right now, which is great. Well, let's see what happens when the pads go on and people start hitting in in, in August, September. All right. Uh, another thing that uh, I know that you know quite a bit about, and that is the Premier League, my friend. And I know yeah. that uh, it's they're going crazy over there, especially in Manchester, right? Man U defeated Arsenal. Was it uh, was it a week or two ago, right? 4-1. Uh, big, big match there. They got a one-point lead, overtook first place from Arsenal, right? We got three weeks left in the Premier League, Paul, right? Break it down for us. Yeah, well, it's actually Manchester City, not Manchester United. Manchester United are probably going to finish fifth this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 not nine. The title race is a two-horse race between Manchester City and Arsenal. Manchester City will probably win it. They've got the games in hand. The big battle is actually at the bottom of the table. Now, people listening in Vegas, the idea of promotion and relegation between leagues is something you're not used to. Because in America, you have a franchise system. And the bottom team in Major League Baseball does not get relegated. You can do your own Oakland A's joke there now, TC. But in the Premier League, there are 20 teams. The bottom three will get relegated to the league below, and the top three teams there will come up. It's a massive financial loss 
to go out of the Premier League. And right now, one of the teams, Southampton, are almost certain to go down. The other four are almost all tied on points with three games left. It is going to be nerve-wracking for all the fans. And it'll go down to the last game, who stays up and who goes down. That is the real drama of sport. Not necessarily who wins the title. It's who can save themselves at the end of a long season. You know, the Premier League, like the Bundesliga, like all these other, you know, European leagues, you know, there are no playoffs, right, Paul? I mean, it is just, you know, whoever finishes at the top of the table or the standings, if you want to be Americanized about it here, and that's it. Do you, do you feel that that is kind of anticlimactic, especially, you know, when here in America, I mean, you know, you always want the second chance and you don't want people to tune out. You know, because uh, they're already eliminated. And you have that a lot with soccer. I'm very, very curious the reasoning behind no playoffs in, in European soccer. It's historical, TC. It's something that they've always done. In the, it was over the course of a 38, 42 game season, the best team wins and gets the most points. Now, what they do have is of the three teams coming up to the Premier League, two of them will go up automatically because of their finishing positions, first and second. The teams from third, fourth, fifth, and sixth have a series of playoffs, and the winners of that, and it's it's called the the fifty million dollar game, will go into the Premier League. That's a big. Event. Event. But to be honest, they've tried this in other sports. They tried it in rugby, where they have a 12-team league, and at the end of the year, the top four teams then have playoffs. And it almost makes the league irrelevant, because you could be the best team the whole year, but then get beaten in the playoffs. It's the same as the Boston Bruins having the best record in, in NHL regular season history and getting dumped out in the first round. Does the regular season then mean anything? So I can see both sides of it, but it's, it's historical, TC. And every European league has always been judged over the course of a season. But then you have a knockout cup competition, which is almost like a series of playoffs working your way through like your March Madness. And we will have the FA Cup final, which will take place at the beginning of June. And that is Manchester United will play Manchester City. That is a big one-off game, but it's not the same as the Premier League title. What is attendance like and television ratings for these teams that are sitting eighth, ninth, tenth, you know, that are, they're perfectly, they're, they're safe from relegation, but they're not winning, uh, the Premier League. So how, how does that play out? Especially it's such a long season. You're talking about what, what 38 matches, right? 38, yeah. you know, that you have here. So I, I would think that, you know, there's a lot of meaningless games here. And Premier League attendances are still huge. I mean, nearly every game sells out for every team, regardless. And even though you might have a team at mid-table, now I know it's difficult because you've got six or seven teams that have got more money than all the others, the big, the Manchester Cities, the Liverpools, the Arsenals. They've got more money than your mid-table teams, your, your Wolverhampton Wanderers, Brighton Hove Albion, you know, teams like that. So it's a little bit difficult that those teams really have no chance of winning when they start the season. When Leicester City won the Premier League seven, eight years ago, it was the biggest surprise in football history. So it's very difficult. So your main goal is get enough points so you won't get relegated. Then it's, well, could we get high enough to earn a spot in a European competition next year? But it is still huge. The TV ratings are big. The attendances are big. It is still a huge thing, TC, no matter how your team is doing. 
All right. He is Paul Buck Power Stewart. Buckpower.com is the website. If you haven't checked that out, make sure that you do, even if you're not a Buccaneers fan. But uh, uh, great stories, great pictures. And again, uh, Paul Buck Power Stewart does a great job on social media, too. I-, I love your flashbacks, too, especially, you know, when I'm seeing those flashbacks of whether it's Doug Williams, Ricky Bell, uh, whoever it is. Okay. Give my guy, find a highlight from my guy, James Owens. All right. F- find a highlight from my guy there. He's a proud Buck still. I can do something else. I do have some actually some news, some breaking news for you. Is today the NFL announced their international series games for this year. Mm-hmm. There'll be one game at Wembley where Atlanta will play Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. There will then be two games at Tottenham Hotspur's ground. Jacksonville are going to play two consecutive games in London because the following week they're going to play the Buffalo Bills. Baltimore will play Tennessee in one of the London games. There will then be two games in Germany. Now, the Bucks and Seahawks played a game last year in Munich, the first one to be played in Germany. There will be two this year, both in Frankfurt. Miami will play the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Colts will play the New England Patriots. So five international series games, three in London, two in Germany. What I can also tell you is there will be two Major League Baseball games in London this year, That's the Cubs and the Cardinals. That's been scheduled. Hot off the press, the Mets and the Phillies are scheduled to come over in 2024 for two games as well. Look at that. You actually have a baseball facility there? You actually have a baseball park? No, you're gonna have, they, you're gonna have to transform yeah, you know, one of the take, soccer stadiums, they take right? The Olympic Stadium, which was where we held the athletics events at the Olympics in, in 2012, and it's currently used by West Ham Football Club. They can convert it into a baseball diamond. Now it's a little bit short on the there will be there'll be a lot more home runs here because it's probably only about 365 370 to center field um and when the Mets and when the Yankees and the Red Sox played there the pitchers got lit up but it, it's again it's a sporting event two games baseball fans all will congregate to celebrate the game because they love it and it doesn't matter who plays they just want to be there to be with other baseball fans I want to see Paul Buck Power Stewart throw out a ceremonial first pitch I mean he's got an arm I you know He's great on the golf course. He's great there. I don't know if he how he is on skates, though. I mean, can you fire a puck? No, no, no. I can't skate. <laughs> now, something I could tell you is I did have a mock tryout for the Devil Rays back in 98 in their first season. I was still pitching in the British League, and they set up this mock tryout for me. And I, I, I was throwing, getting loosened up, and the manager, Larry Rothschild, came over, introduced himself. He said, okay, now you've finished warming up. Why don't you start throwing hard? I went, that was me throwing hard. And he went, well, thanks for coming. Have a nice time at the beach. There it is, Jim Morris. Paul Buck Power Stewart's Jim Morris, the rookie. There it is. (laughs) Oh, that's a great film. So my thought, if I threw my fastball down the interstate TC, I would not get a ticket for speeding, but it was good for British standards. I love it. My friend, always appreciate the time, man. Great stuff. And we look forward to talking with you a little bit more as we approach the NFL season. Looking forward to it too. And Numchuck, now I've gone, you can go and find some pet shop boys. West End Girls was their first number one here. The they best. Were- they were Chris Lowe and Neil Tennant were a tremendous band. I can't wait to see them play live. Enjoy Lionel because he's here all the time. And uh, the Pet Shop Boys, yeah, take me back to my DJ days. West End Girls, baby, I love it. All right, Paul, fantastic. Take care. I will brother. be listening all night long. Yeah, look at this. There it is. All right, a little Lionel Richie reference there from Paul Buck Power Stewart. We come back. Alan Snell will join us. We'll talk about the A's ballpark. There's a curveball. Some changes there. Jesus Lopez, we talked Golden Knights. We got that happening. 
And yes, we'll get you updated on the NFL schedule. Oh, yes, we got a little breaking news with that. Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around the front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. The T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchs. Right up front. Younger fit inside of the net. Score! The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this uh, Wild Wednesday. Uh, wild it is because, man, another great night of sports. I'm so pumped up, revved up, fired up. And, of course, it could be exciting or it could be nerve-wracking, depending on who you're rooting for. Lakers and the Warriors tonight, game number five. And we're back in San Francisco. Will the Warriors extend the series? I firmly believe they will. And then we got the Golden Knights in Edmonton. Game number four there before the Knights head back to T-Mobile Arena coming up this weekend. So that game is at 7 o'clock. Looking forward to it all here tonight. And uh, we continue on here, hour number two. We will go live to Edmonton. We go from England to Edmonton. As Jesus Lopez, uh, my good friend, the Spanish voice of the Vegas Golden Knights uh, radio network, he's going to join us from Edmonton. Definitely get uh, get some food stuff with Jose. I, I need to guide him on, on, on where to go. Cause I think, you know, when he is back there, he's just, he's not sure where to go. You know, he, I think he just kind of sits in that hotel and, you know, he's has his Lucha Libre mask on. And he's watching old wrestling videos and doing his homework for the Golden Knights. We got to get, we got to get Jesus out there, you know, get him out there. And the question is, are there any Mexican restaurants in Edmonton? That's what I want to know. Numchuck, get on that. I got some. I got some recommendations from from Team TC Martin Show in Canada. You know, we're we're big Team in, Canada in, in, in Manitoba. Team Canada, we're huge in Edmonton. Christy with a C, she's probably listening. Christy with a C, Cat with a K. Shout out to our lovely ladies out there. Shout out to Alan Snell, LVSportsBiz.com. Kind enough to drop in and join us today. What is happening, my man? TC, I um, usually I just get hungry when I come down here, but now we got some serious news to bite into. We do, but before we get into that, okay, yes, I, yes, I have I have a terrible Tuesday leftover here, okay, that we need we need to get to here, and so the NFL schedule is you know comes out tomorrow, but they they come out in little dribs and drabs, exactly, a little teaser stuff. There's some leakage, yeah, yeah, but they wanted to make sure that they they gave us uh, this one, okay, Numchuck. They wanted to give us this today. All right. So the NFL has made a, an announcement that we've got, and for me, I'm calling this, this is more bad news. This is, more, this is terrible Tuesday stuff, all right? The NFL schedule will be officially re- released tomorrow, but today what do we get? This breaking news? We're having the very first Black Friday game. The Black Friday game. What the heck? Does this mean, well, you know what Black Friday is, right? It's the Friday after Thanksgiving, and we are going to get football. It's Miami against the Jets. 
So now Aaron Rodgers gets uh, another, I guess, semi-primetime game, even though this will be 12 p.m. here on the West Coast, 3 o'clock Eastern time. It'll be the first ever Black Friday game. And what cracks me up is when they release this, they go, it's historic, a historic Black Friday. How is this historic? Please put this in perspective, Alan Snell, in the annals of history, how having a game on a Friday afternoon because it's this pseudo holiday okay and i say pseudo holiday because it's a pseudo holiday which means it's phony all right let's go shopping let's get everyone to go spend money and drop prices you know half places don't drop their prices friday november 24th 12 noon miami and the jets historic news and it's going to be on amazon Oh, yes. Here's the, what the vice president of programming for Amazon says. We're excited to be the home of the first ever NFL Black Friday game. And what better way to kick off this tradition than with a rivalry matchup? Rivalry matchup. Is it, is it Packers Bears? Packers Vikings? Is it, you know, you know, Raiders Chiefs? No, it's Dolphins and the Jets. One of the biggest shopping days of the year. We're thrilled to offer another way to delight Amazon customers and give all the fans free access to this AFC East showdown. Well, I, I got to tell you, if we're going to talk about history, I'm going to compare a movie to what the NFL is doing. And that is, when I was a little kid, the first scary movie was The Blob, which basically <laughs> went around and gobbled everything up. <laughs> and the NFL's... NFL, the NFL's TV schedule basically is going around and just gobbling up every single date on the calendar. Yeah. First they did Christmas, which went, meant they were going head to head with the, uh, NBA. Mm-hmm. Usually Christmas is the NBA's day to shine. Now we got this Black Friday rhetoric and Black Friday, that Friday, usually, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, TC, but it's usually a big college football, high school football kind of game. It is. It is. Usually three, four games. Yeah, some really yeah. good, cool S- rivalry kind SEC, of SEC. It used to be LSU and Arkansas, Texas, Texas. Remember Nebraska, Colo- uh, Nebraska, Colorado yes. was a great game? Even Nebraska, Oklahoma back in the yeah, day. They yeah. would play on that So time. now the NFL blob of the TV schedule mm-hmm. is eating like up that. even Black Friday and taking away attention, eyeballs from, you know, these great college football games. So. I don't know, but I'm not quite sure how the Blob movie ended. I'm trying to, I was so, it was the first horror movie I watched as a little kid. And I'm, I think, I, I don't think it was like Jaws where the guy shot a, like a torpedo into the shark or something, but it was a it shark was, that was actually a mechanical shark. And how did not, how, how did the, the go, bing, how come it didn't do that? Yeah. I mean, they could have taken care of it like early on in the movie, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, other holiday games that were leaked out. All right, ready for this? All right, so we got a Christmas game, and that's going to be the Giants in Philadelphia. So, and, and I, of course, lo- I like the Christmas games. Of course, we like the Thanksgiving games. And then we have a New Year's Eve game with the Bengals and the Chiefs. Well, that'll be a great game. That that has actually become a pretty fierce little rivalry in the AFC. Yeah, yeah. So that that's 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 definitely a high mark. How do you game. feel about Amazon games? I don't, I'm not into them. Exactly. They had an absolute horror show of games last year, the of Thursday course. nights. Of course. Good yeah. Lord. They put people to sleep week after week. Yeah. And it just, you know, and I got to tell you, 
a lot of people didn't even know where to find the game, TC. Tell me about it. I know it, it was horrible. Remember when they announced that the sports books were going crazy? They're going like, well, we're not sure we're going to be able to offer this. And, and if the sports books can't even offer, can you imagine like Joe NFL fan? That's like trying point. to figure right? out like, like, where is this Amazon on my uh, cable, sh- you know, box? Well, Alan, I am just, I am really afraid uh, of this NFL Sunday ticket situation because. The reason why I got DirecTV back in the late 90s was specifically for that. So you could watch the out-of-market games. Exactly. And now exactly. you're taking that away and you're putting that on YouTube TV. It's not an easy fix to go from Amazon to a regular channel and flip back and forth. The YouTube, you know, any any of the smart TV type it. of they're stuff. Chasing, I, they're, it's, chasing it's the, they're chasing the billion-dollar revenue, you it, know. It's, it's a joke, so, though. Yeah. I mean, they weren't doing well enough with DirecTV for all these years. And now uh, it, it's not a cheap package that YouTube is offering here. I, I think this is really going to be a nightmare right. for it, sports books and everybody. We have to acknowledge the fact that the Black Friday, though, was not a surprise per se. We we all knew Black Friday was coming down the pipe. It was just um, it was interesting to hear. It was kind of funny to hear the the hype and the uh, the promotion and the goofy uh, yeah the goofy way they <laughs> you uh, know they they uh, tried to kind of pimp out the game yeah oh yeah making it larger in life and let's be honest this really has the makings of, of being a dud of the game too there's no guarantee that Miami or the Jets are going to be any good look at the team last year that was everyone's expectation the Denver Broncos they were on in fact if I recall TC they were on one of one of those dud games on Thursday night yep. where it was like one of those you know six to three games or whatever and you know you're right. You just never know what a team will pan out. I mean, you do have flex, I guess, some in some parts of the schedule. But the Broncos last year were, you know, because of the Wilson acquisition, was on prime time every single yep. week. It was like enough already. And look at the Jets right now. I mean, the, the Jets are getting well, a lot no, of prime the same time thing. games. You know, it's the same thing, obviously, yeah. with Aaron. I mean, that's a big yeah. deal. So they're the uh, they're the uh, the hot the hot team. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's talk about the hot uh, item here locally. Yes, sir. We just had Alan on just last week uh, regarding this, that the A's ballpark has taken another turn here where the A's have come to an agreement with Bally's. All right, they agree on a deal yesterday uh, to purchase the land there at uh, Tropicana Las Vegas Boulevard, home of the Tropicana Hotel and Casino, uh, one of the last uh, old-school joints uh, around here. Alan, we sat here last week and we were talking about the deal with Station Casinos in the old Wild West property uh, on that piece of land, you know, purchasing those, what, 49 acres. And then all of a sudden we're here. Oh, no, that's scrap now. Now it's all about Bally's. Now we're going to blow up the Tropicana. So take me back here. What happened? What happened to the Station Casinos deal? Uh, well, I got to tell you, you're dealing with two of the most unconventional entities. First of all, the Oakland Athletics. They are the most unconventional franchise in baseball. And then it's Las Vegas where anything goes and you combine the two. And somehow you had a – obviously the athletics were reading the tea leaves and that the $500 million ask in public money because of that site was probably not floating over too well. And guess what? They found out a chance to save some money, and they went to the, like you mentioned, the corner of Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard. It is one of the busiest intersections in our market. 
anyone who's been down there knows how what what a con- what a mess it could be on uh, in the early evening on entertainment. And that's nights. without construction. Look how it's been the last couple of months with construction. Exactly, yeah. and they they chose the site because now they can reduce the funding ask from five hundred million to three hundred and ninety five million. I just got off the phone with Jeremy Aguero, who's a consultant. For the Oakland Athletics, I asked him, I said, Jeremy, point blank, what is the minimum amount that Clark County will be asked to fund through bonds? The min- This is the minimum. I, have a, I, I bet it's going to be more than this, but he said they're going to have to float at least $100 million in bonds out of the $395 million pun- you know, funding package. That intersection is... I got to tell you, TC, I don't know if you heard about this. This this was kind of out there before. This is not a surprise. This, you know, the, the, the concept of the athletics going and using the Tropicana Hotel site at that intersection has been kind of floated before. And when it was, most people didn't take it seriously because who would put a 32,000-seat stadium at one of the busiest intersections in Las Vegas – in a market that, let's be polite here, is a little challenge when it comes to mass transit transportation mm-hmm. options. I'm trying to be polite now. Yeah. And They're accurate though. And you know, again, you know, um, Jeremy Aguero said that if you read the story, the story leads lvsportsbiz.com right now. You should log on, check out the story. He did say, you know, all the right things about how they're going to pursue multimodal transportation resources like pedestrian bridges and. I mean, let's face it. They're going to have to use basically the existing parking garages in that area. I mean, the the Golden Knights, as you know, they draw 18,000 people. Mm. We're talking about 30,000 people now. So you're going to have to cram another 12,000 people in there. I will say this, TC. You know, at the at – the, it's kind of funny. We call it the old ballpark site for all of like two or three weeks. Yeah. You know, the old site. It was like, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah. But they uh, – they, according to Aguero, he had mentioned that he thought just slightly than 30% of the fans would be visitors. The one thing I will say about this site – you will see a higher percentage of tourists oh, big time. At, at this particular site. But will it be at the expense of the locals who will just, you know, like, like you just mentioned, who already are having nightmares about the idea of attending a game at one of the busiest intersections on the Strip? You mentioned this is going to reduce the public funding. Five hundred million was was talked about with the station casinos deal on the other side of Trop in I fifteen. Now this, what we're hearing is three hundred ninety five million. Correct. Okay. So how does how does that come into play? And is this is there still a public funding issue here? Because locals have been screaming about this ever since they this was announced. So is this still an issue? Yes, it is. And the legislative bill that is being shaped right now in Carson City is still being shaped, and there's still negotiations going on. And, in fact, I got to tell you, Aguero told me that there's obviously no guarantee that there will even be a bill done, you know, within the next 27 days or whenever the uh, the session ends uh, in early June. And point blank, I said, are we going to get a special session? And he said, could be. So... This could be going into overtime, TC. The uh, funding ask is definitely still an issue. Maybe less, but still an issue for sure. Clark County, 
is the fiscal agent on this deal. They will be asked to float the bonds, to sell the bonds. As you know, you know, we did have the COVID situation where Clark County, not once but twice, did have to dip into the contingency fee uh, fund to pay off the debt on the Raider Stadium bond. So, you know, they, they have that in the back of their mind. As, and here's the athletics just parachuting into Las Vegas saying, hey, you know, can you float at least another $100 million worth of bonds? So, you know, this is definitely, in answer to your question, it's a hard yes. Yeah. You mentioned this was one of the original things we talked about two years ago about that land, okay? It was the Tropicana they were talking about going there or where the Rio is. Those were the two things, the two sites. And then we The Rio others. has been discussed yeah. for a while, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And also the festival sites on Sahara. And, and that was another. Yeah. So, all right. So now we get to Bally's, and they're going to construct a, what, a 1,500-seat hotel and casino across the street from the park, so where exactly is is that going? To I don't be? know. I uh, I have I have calls into Bally's. I have not received any feedback from them. And what will the property be called? As far as not the park, but just the hotel casino. Is that going to be Bally's, or the, you know, we just went from Bally's to the Horseshoe? Right. W- what are we going to call? You need this? a scorecard just to keep up yeah, with yeah. this stuff. I'm confused. Um, we don't know. They ha- they haven't uh, they haven't talked about the branding of the new hotel. Or do they do they you know? stay with some heritage here and call it the Tropicana again or maybe a variation using the word Tropicana. I think it was just confusing to people trying to keep up with the wild, wild west side, which is on Tropicana, yeah. which is the road, to now the Tropicana site, which is the hotel. Right. You know, and I mean I just say it's the intersection and right. to make it to make it simple for people to understand. I mean, in fact there's the new hotel right behind it, in fact. Uh, right. You know, that's going to benefit, mm-hmm. you know, that would, but again, you know, this is not a done deal. You know, there's legislation that still needs to be actually proposed mm-hmm. and voted on. So, um, you know, it's, <clears throat> I, <clears throat> there's part of me is just kind of, it's almost comical to think of <laughs> a baseball park at that intersection. And, but then again, you almost have to suspend reality when when you think about what goes on in the strip because I'm used to conventional planning principles done for ballparks and stadiums around the country. Yeah. And they don't apply to the strip, TC. I mean, no. it, it's crazy because, you know, the strip, I call it the Vatican of gambling yeah. where it kind of exists as a state within a state mm-hmm. where even Clark County's conventional planning principles – they don't even apply. I mean, nothing against the Raiders Stadium, but let's face it, they caught a big break by having only 2,500, you know, surface parking spaces yeah. at a stadium for 62,000 seats. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, granted, they, they, they're relying on a lot of people parking on the strip and walking across uh, the interstate on Hacienda. I get that. Uh, and the same kind of concepts going on. I, I do want to address a few things in the story. You know, Jeremy had mentioned that, well, it's not uncommon to have sports venues kind of jammed into like downtown areas. And he mentioned the baseball field in San Diego that you know very yep. well, right? Yep. That's but keep in mind, you remember when it was built? There was not much was there. That's the thing. And the ballpark was actually used as an economic development spur mm-hmm. to really develop that part of San Diego. Another neighborhood ballpark, Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. Neighborhood ballpark 
It's an, I mean, this ballpark goes back decades and decades and decades. I mean, if there's one place that probably doesn't need an economic redevelopment jolt per se, it's probably Las Vegas Boulevard and <laughs> yeah. Tropicana. Well, let me say about, about the, those points because I was going to bring that up. Okay. When, when Petco Park uh, was built, and then San Francisco with the Giants, built. right? Okay, which is those, which the San Francisco Giant Stadium is built on a small footprint site, exactly about fourteen acres. But keep in mind that is bounded by a lot of transit, public resources right. that's, built into. That's it. what I was going to say. So remember going way back in the day, okay, when they started building these stadiums, they were usually in the suburbs. Okay, in the rural, well, rural like parks, the riverfront right? stadiums of the all day. of that. Okay, yeah. and then you go back to Detroit and the Pontiac Silver. They were multi. Dome they were multi-use. Yeah, off the but, but they yeah. and they were in basically in when you know Sacramento did the exact same thing with Arco Arena and that sort of thing. Then they started to go. Okay, let's get this more to the mainstream. Let's get it to downtown. The reason why they did the outskirts because they thought it'd be easier for traffic flow for the suburban and, right, population. Popu- right, and then they started building restaurants. Uh, in hotels and housing around those those places. Then I don't know about ten fifteen years ago, the uh, avant garde thing was to do. Hey, let's do this this downtown you know ballparks. But like you said, in those cities that have downtown ballparks, they were usually warehouse districts. They were the land was cheaper. The land was cheaper, but there was nothing around there, and it was it was a dump. And they would take Coors Field in Denver is a great example. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then they built up around that. This is the total opposite. Like you said, you're going right in the middle of the hub here already. <laughs> so that's what's 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 strange with all that. So and like I mentioned, um, I thought there was a, a, a there's a. In fact, I used uh, Jeremy's quote as the headline that. Yeah, we're gonna ha- infrastructure will definitely be needed. It was like, um, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alan Snell joins us, lvsportsbiz.com. Go to his website and read his latest article just published uh, within the hour or so. The latest on the A's ballpark taking a different turn, curveball here as uh, the A's and Bally's come to an agreement on a deal of the land of uh, the Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard, currently where the Tropicana Hotel is. Uh, so, Alan, it- it's been a while since we've had an implosion. Well, we're we're, we're going to have an implosion. I know. We, uh, the last one was the Riv. I remember the Riv. You know, um, they're always fun. You know, and, and you know, talk about implosions. One of the great implosions, and this is a connection to a ballpark. You're talking about in Seattle, they imploded. And here's a great oh, the King great, Here's a great trivia a yeah. question. What is the only ballpark to open in the middle of a season? It was the Seattle Mariners at the time. I think it was called Safeco. Safe, uh, Safeco Field, right? Yeah. And yeah. they demolished the old kingdom yeah. in the middle of the season. Right. And they opened yeah. that stadium, the ballpark for the Mariners. I was working at the Post Intelligencer at the time in downtown Seattle. Interviewed the very first fan who went through the turnstile at the uh, the old cool. Mariners Safeco Field. Yeah. And... Um, Implosions are always fun. To, I mean, they're they're kind of like events. <laughs> let's by go themselves. cover an implosion tonight. What are we doing? <laughs> hey, let's go check out the implosion. Yeah, we talked earlier in the show about. Uh, I remember the Riv. Uh, right when I first. Well, let me moved, ask you, yeah. TC. I mean, if let's say let's say mm-hmm. in the event there is a baseball game at the earliest twenty twenty seven. So we have a little we have a little time to plan our transportation route. Yeah, like four or five years. But what would be your transportation? 
technique to get down to a baseball game at mm. Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard. Getting dropped off. Just doing the rideshare. Yeah. Doing do, rideshare. Do, do, doing the rideshare, whether it's somebody I know or doing the rideshare. I mean, that would have to be it. I'll be honest with you. And Where I, would I, you be dropped yeah. off? I mean, would you be dropped off like a block or two away? As Where close or? as I can possibly okay. get. I want to walk as, as with, with, with less a, as possible. With with minimum traffic around. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, where is that? I mean, it's, <laughs> you, there's not many options. There's not really any side streets that you can really do that at, you know? You know, it, it's, it's going to be difficult. And like I said, there's, wow. There has to be plenty of infrastructure planning that has to go around this. In again, what they think about Alan, as you know, they look at that. Hey, what's it going to look like from the blimp, the overhead view? <laughs> it's going to look gorgeous, right? But then look at if you expand the blimp view, you've got bumper to bumper traffic exactly. for miles. So that's interesting. Crazy. I love the aerials of the strip. You have this amazing Hollywood set on steroids view of this amazing three-mile corridor. And then you go on the back streets and you see some of the stuff on Coval or Dean Martin. Yeah. Right? I mean, it gets it kind of drops off quickly. Well, let me ask you this, and I, I know you probably don't have the answer, but it uh, be interesting to find out. Um, when would the Tropicana doors close? And you know, when would that demolishment happen? Yeah, that would that would be... You know, that, that, that would be definitely. And how are you feeling if you're a Tropicana employee right now? That's tough. That's mm-hmm. tough. I mean, I mean, there's always, I guess, you know, other, other companies in town to, you know, grab onto. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, but do we have any idea? I mean, how long this will, before they, 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 they shut the doors? It, I would, I would. Think, Once it becomes official, of course. Right. But, yeah. Right. I mean, the, they want to break, they want to break ground on this in 2024. They're following a very ambitious timeline. <laughs> I mean, they need f- this bill to be passed and approved this year because, from what I understand, Dave Cavill Gav- told me he wants MLB approval by the end, by the fall of 2023, mm-hmm. in order to have the groundbreaking on that site at 2024. I would imagine it would be, you know, the place would be, you can keep the place open for another year or two. You know, couldn't you? While, while there's construction. <laughs> You I mean, could, but, you but, could, but, yeah. but the, yeah. the thing is, though, if you, if you're going to demolish it to make way for this, for the ballpark, you know, it could be, you know, it could be it for Tropicana next year, I guess. And have right? we seen any rendering? It would be, it would be shortly after the, yeah. the groundbreaking. So have we seen any renderings on I how it would fit or which way home plate would be or what you'd be facing? You know, it's really interesting. Yeah. You, you had, uh, you know, you have this interesting connection to the Tampa Bay sports market oh. and they are struggling with a baseball park situation mm-hmm. and they actually were looking at building at, at one time a baseball park, um, at, I believe they were going to be at the, believe it or not, the soccer team plays, the Rowdies play in the old spring training home right on the waterfront in St. Petersburg. They were going to demolish that and build a small wedge in, a small uh, baseball park there. And here's, and to your point about like the direction of home plate, they actually had like home plate kind of like um burned into short ride field <laughs> at the at the spring training ballpark there uh on the waterfront in yeah. uh in St. Petersburg so i mean that's that in itself would be kind of interesting i mean just you know for the layout of that but again i've have not seen any renderings you'd think 
the athletics would have like a really pretty picture of this ballpark, you know, wedged in there among the yeah. uh, um, of the behemoth buildings there. You know, I mean, and it would be you know it would be great for PR and get the hype going. Yeah. Obviously, nothing really gets off the ground un- until. The sausage is made in uh, Carson City. A sausage is made. There's a food <laughs> reference. There it is, Meat Hook. I appreciate that. <laughs> he is Alan Snell. Go check out his website. Support his website as well, too, at lvsportsbiz.com. It is uh, the best to find out uh, what is happening in our To see what's your prediction for here. tonight. Golden Knights versus Edmonton. What's your call? Edmonton gets it done tonight. I just got it. But you think again, maybe in overtime or a regular session? Nah, I, I think it could... They're going to take Edmonds Contins like a take five, like a five-two win. I'm thinking like a five-two win or maybe a four-one win or something okay. like that. I think, but again, don't talk to me because I, I'm horrible at predicting hockey. It, it's, it is the most unpredictable thing. I'm fine in every other sport, but man, look at the uh, Florida Panthers. They have the Maple Leafs on the uh, ropes. Yeah, on the ropes. I mean, talk about sausage. They're cooked. <laughs> like the Panthers are cooked. All right, brother. I appreciate you uh, coming by today, man. It's always oh, always, always great, great to swing by, man. All right, we'll see you uh, everywhere. All right, from uh, um, the T-Mobile Arena for the Golden Knights, the Aces, right around the corner. We look forward to seeing you. Media Day. Don't forget, Aces Monday. Media Day. You got it. All right, we come back. Jesus Lopez, the Spanish voice of the Golden Knights, joins us live from Edmonton. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Of course, you are a character. doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. I want to thank Alan Snell for coming by, talking about the latest with the Las Vegas ballpark situation here regarding the Oakland A's. And again, that is taking a big turn from just where we were just days ago. Or now, that'll be at the site of the Tropicana Hotel and Casino. And Bally's uh, owns that property. So the deal with the station casino's out. And the deal with Bally's now in for that. All right, so go to lvsportsbiz.com for all of uh, your information regarding any of the sports business here uh, in our fair city, uh, especially this. Alan does a fantastic job. I always appreciate him uh, being our guy uh, in the trenches there, wherever it is, if it's uh, got to do with the Raiders or the Aces or now the A's. Uh, great stuff, but he's, he's on top of that story. Go check it out at lvsportsbiz.com. Come. All right. Tonight, uh, looking forward to two big time games, one in the NBA and one in the NHL. And from the NBA standpoint, you've got the Golden State Warriors trying to stave off elimination. As crazy as that sounds, that is the fact. And I say it's crazy because yes, they're the defending champions, but we know that they're not the same team that they've been the last few years. They finished as the sixth seed. But probably the biggest surprise here is the Lakers because the Lakers were expected to do pretty well this year, even though they won a championship in 2020 when they were in the bubble. And it was kind of, they won a championship, but there's like an asterisk there pretty much for all that. Lakers have LeBron James. They got Anthony Davis. They start off horrendous. They were a team that was in disarray. They had plenty of injuries, 
And then Rob Palenka made some massive substitutions and changes with the roster, uh, replenishing it with shipping six guys out and six guys in. That's half of your roster, half of your 12-man roster. And they were in 13th position on the outside looking in. They were not one of the top eight teams once the playoffs began. They had to get involved and go through the play-in tournament with a victory against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then they had to fight their way in, and they got in as the number seven seed. They've had some games where they have not looked very good, uh, but during this series, they've looked exceptionally well. Now, I think when they played the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round, you had the John Morant situation that was hanging over like a dark cloud. And I mean that for two ways. One is John Morant was hurt, um, had a very badly sprained wrist, which affected his game. And then he was coming off uh, a suspension for, you know, his act and a bunch of nonsense uh, that, you know, incurred, you know, off the court from just stupid stuff from the mall situation where he went off on somebody, he threw a basketball at a kid, um, kid threatened to burn down his house in a, in a, in a pickup game at his house. Then you had the situation where they're in Indiana playing the Pacers, the Grizzlies were, and jaw and his entourage were flashing the red laser beam. <laughs> just, just craziness threatened to, to kill people. I mean, just nonsense. So that had something to do with it. And the Lakers got on a roll, uh, even though they did get destroyed in one of those games. And they came back and won. But against the Warriors, the Warriors still had the home court advantage. Even though they were six seed and the Lakers were the seven seed, you had the the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, with Draymond Green, with Andrew Wiggins coming back and playing exceptionally well. And it looked like, okay, this is, you know, going to be a Warriors series victory, even though the Warriors struggled mightily against the Kings, who had a great year. They were the number three seed. But when the series started and the Lakers got game number one against the Warriors and they won that game in San Francisco, you can make the case, if you want, that the Warriors come off a seven-game series, the Lakers had two more days of rest, and the Warriors weren't ready to play. And that was evident what happened in game one where the Warriors lost 117-112. Anthony Davis showed up. He had 30 points and 23 rebounds in game one. LeBron James had 22 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder showed up big time. And they each had 19 points. The Lakers were 25 for 29 from the free throw line. Golden State shot only six free throws in that game. So you figure, okay, maybe it's a one-off, right? Well, it looked that way. Because in game two, two nights later, the Warriors blasted the Lakers 127 to 100 where Golden State outscored the Lakers 101 to 67 from the second quarter uh, to the end of the third quarter. Golden State shot 50% from the floor, 50% from threes. They hit 21 of 32, uh, 42 shots from there. The Lakers were 10 for 34 from three. So you figured, okay, now we're going to go to Los Angeles, probably going to have ourselves a series. But what you didn't expect is the Lakers to win by 30 in game number three. 127 to 97. And Anthony Davis, who didn't show up in game two, the every, every other game scenario, showed up 
in the third game with 25 points and 13 rebounds. LeBron James and D'Angelo Russell, 21 points apiece, and the Lakers shot 52%. Uh, 48% from beyond the three-point arc where they connected on 15 three-pointers in 31 attempts. So what happens in game number four? Well, you figure, okay, the Warriors usually don't look bad in back-to-back games, and they didn't. The Lakers, uh, I'm sorry, the Warriors came out, played well. They usually get off to traditionally slow starts, and they have turnovers. Well, they did that, but they overcame, and Golden State blew a double-digit lead again, just like they did in game number three to end up losing by 30. They had a 12-point lead late in the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter, it all fell apart. Overall, the Warriors committed 16 turnovers, They only got to the free throw line 12 times. The Lakers got to the line 20 times, and they were 20 for 20 from there. 20 for 20. The Lakers are shooting the lights out, especially at the free throw line, and more importantly, they're getting to the free throw line. But the Warriors have killed themselves time and time again, and not just in this series, but in their history, your recent history here, when they lose games, they turn the ball over way too much. 19 turnovers in game three, 16 turnovers in game number four, and despite coming back, they didn't have enough, and they made some really bonehead decisions in the last few possessions, Draymond Green has the ball in the corner, penetrates, driving to the hoop down the baseline, throws an ill-advised pass. It's turned over. Steph Curry had a turnover. Quick shot by Curry um, from 29 feet, ill-advised, and they had a chance to take the lead uh, with a minute and a half to go. Warriors lost by three, 104 to 101. So as this series sits right now, the Lakers are in control three games to one. Now, everyone will tell you, and the hot headline right now is, well, the Warriors' record, when they are down three games to one in best of seven series, they are one in 14. Okay. Warriors are still alive, and I'll tell you why. They're alive because you have Steph Curry. You got Clay Thompson, who had a bad game. All right. They still have the firepower. You still have Andrew Wiggins, and you got Kayvon Looney, and you've got a very, very deep team. And we've talked about time and time again, one of the main reasons why the Warriors have you know, won four championships in the last eight years is they get the production from the unsung guys off the bench. They've been getting that. They've just been turning the ball over. When they take care of the ball and have less than 10 turnovers, they usually win games. So you have that going for you. You have the factor that they are at home tonight. And then if they can't force a game six, they'll have to win on the road. But then if they win that game, they got game seven. Most people just write off a team that's down 3-1. But most of the time, the team that is down 3-1, they don't have two of the final three games on their home floor. They're usually the lower-seeded team. So I think everybody expects the Warriors to win. If you've been watching this series, you're going to expect the Warriors to win. 
Don't get caught up in the LeBron and the Anthony Davis thing and the Lakers and being a public team. Forget all that. All right. Bottom line is the Warriors are the better team, the talented team, but over seven games, that usually bears itself out. Sometimes it doesn't. There was really not much difference between the Warriors and the Kings. And that went seven games, and the Warriors won games five and seven on the road, backs against the wall. In a big game six, they won at home. Stave off elimination. So expect the Warriors to win tonight. They're seven and a half point favorites. It's just funny how the narrative changes after every game. You know, when the Warriors won by 27, it was like, okay, yeah, you know, they're they're, going to get it done. And then the Lakers won game three. Well, yeah, Lakers, you know, but they're going to lose game four. They didn't. Another factor to watch tonight. And again, this is another misnomer that's out there, and it's a ridiculous comment. Well, since the Lakers have game six at home, maybe they'll just, you know, put all their eggs in that basket and they'll take it easy tonight. (laughs) You think players are going to go into a game saying, yeah, we're going to rest tonight. We're going to take the night off. No. The Warriors are going to be on fire at least from an emotional standpoint. They might not be hitting all the shots, but emotionally they're going to be charged and they're going to come out and try to make a statement. All right? Now, in game two, conventional wisdom was because the Lakers won game one, well, they'll coast a little bit in the second half and specifically like the fourth quarter if they get behind. They didn't. All right? They just got drilled. All right? LeBron James and Anthony Davis were still playing in the third quarter. Despite them getting blown out and really never in that game in the second half, they were on the floor with about seven and a half minutes to go. So don't expect LeBron James to take the night off or Anthony Davis to take the night off. Their numbers might be down, but if that's the case, that's because they would be outplayed. They'll be deed up by the Warriors and they'll have bad shooting nights. This could come down to be a great game. It could be a close game. Hey, Lakers could just continue this momentum and just keep rolling. That's what happened with the Kings against the Warriors, right? The the Warriors had that mojo, and there was never looking back. The Warriors came back, and they won three games in a row. Warriors could win three in a row in this situation, especially since two of the three final games are on their home floor. So Steve Kerr, the Warriors... They've been here. They've done that. They're not going to be panicked. They're not hanging their head. Their approach is this. One game at a time. And I think this is exactly why they're a seven and a half point favorite. Okay, The same that they were in games one and two. People expect them to win this game. Not because they're due or a zigzag theory, anything of that nature. It's because... They have the deeper team, the better talent, and you expect them to take care of business. All right? Take nothing away from the Lakers. They've been fantastic. Can maybe even say even Arash Mikazi, who came on here, covers the Lakers. He says they're playing way over their heads. Never expected that. All right? So that is the general feeling. We'll see how it plays out tonight. Now, we go to Edmonton. And the Golden Knights are playing the Edmonton Oilers tonight, as we know, in game number four. And the Golden Knights 
were very impressive in that Game 3 victory as a $2 underdog like they are tonight. The Golden Knights uh, fell behind 2 minutes and 45 seconds into that contest at Edmonton. The crowd was going crazy, and they scored. But what happened after that, it was all Golden Knights as VGK scored the next five goals and one going away by a final score of 5-1. to one. Our good friend, Jesus Lopez, who does the Spanish broadcasts uh, for the Golden Knights Radio Network, is live in Edmonton, and he joins us now. My friend, what's going on, Jesus? Hey, DJ Martin, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. It's an honor being on your show, DJ. Oh, how's it going? Everything all right over there in Vegas? Everything's good. We're, you know, we're anticipating, my friend. We could hardly wait for this thing to, to get unfolded. But, Jesus, I want to go back to game number three the other night. And we saw uh-huh. the Golden Knights score five unanswered goals uh, after Edmonton jumped on top. Um, we talked with you when you were in Winnipeg. We know that's a hockey hotbed town. Uh, they were fired up. But, you know, the Edmonton Oilers are a better team than Winnipeg. That fan base is maybe even stronger than Winnipeg's. I want to know, what was that juice like in the arena? What was the atmosphere like, especially, you know, leading up to the opening faceoff and then after Edmonton scored the first goal? As you know, TC, I didn't know anything about hockey no, since uh, uh, the beginning of the Vegas Golden Knights history. But I'm learning, you know, as I go. But the thing is that this never stopped surprising me. I thought that I saw everything as far as passion was concerned in Winnipeg. But Edmonton is crazy, TC. You know, just to tell you one little detail, as soon as I was leaving the uh, hotel the first morning here in Edmonton, uh, uh, the uh, guy at the, the doorman asked me, where are you going? And I told him, you know, I'm trying to get to this restaurant. And uh, are you going to be wearing that hat? <laughs> I was wearing my Vegas Golden Knights hat. <laughs> and just flat out, he said, are you going to be wearing that hat? Are you sure? And I was, well, why not? <laughs> you know, but that I understood at the time of the game. When you see the people outside the arena, the Rogers place, by the way, it's an amazing place. When you see the people, how passionate they are and, and uh, how aggressive they can be inside the arena with the referees, with the, with the visitor team, this is just another kind of thing that we don't know yet how to handle in Las Vegas, to tell you the truth. We have a great, great uh, following uh, fanatics uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. We do. We love the team because what it means for the city is just Amazing. Vegas Golden Knights. And I told him, I was in a TV interview uh, just a few moments ago. I'm sorry for that, uh, TZ. And they asked me about the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights and the response for the Hispanics in Las Vegas. And I told them, look, we have to understand one fact. The first professional game for the Vegas Golden Knights happened in October the 10th. And after a big killing in October the 1st, and I'm talking about what happened, you know, the shooting from the Mandalay Bay, and, and I told them, this is not a logo for us. This is a shield. It is a shield that is the pain for Las Vegas and brought everyone together in Las Vegas. So we bought this thing. This is, this is part of our identity already, you know, and, and, and uh, whatever I go, I just wear proudly the Vegas Golden Eye shirt. And, and uh, when I told them, this is not a logo, this is a shield, they were surprised about that. And I told them, you know, this is our team. This is our identity. But I think Las Vegas is on the way to become as fanatics as Canadians are on this uh, on this um, um, team. And you know what? Let me tell you something. 
a radio listener, a Spanish radio listener in Las Vegas, sent me a drawing. He's a uh, he's a um, he's an artist. You know, he does a drawing for different uh, magazines and newspapers. But he he sent me this because he owns a, a uh, landscaping company, and he sent me this a drawing. There's a guy with a with a blower. You know, uh, uh, most of the Hispanics are in the business of landscaping mm-hmm. with a blower wearing a Vegas Golden Eye jersey. And he was blowing nothing but maple leaves with the oilers <laughs> and the wind that gets lows on it. I think it was hilarious. And then he asked me, can you imagine, Jesus, should we become like the Canadian killers? And I go, you know what? Okay. Just wait. That, that hasn't happened yet. I mean, we have three more games okay. to go. And, and, uh, but people are involved. You know, the Hispanics are involved in this, and we just love the team. It's it's beautiful. All right, so I, I got to ask you real quick because you know we're up against it. We got to get ready to leave, uh, Jesus. But I mean, did you find the restaurant? Yeah, I got plenty of restaurant choices for you there. I mean, there's actually <laughs> even a couple good Mexican restaurants. Did you know that? You know, do I need to tell you? Yeah. Where to go? Well, I went to this place that is called Maria Mexican Restaurant. Maria's. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I was going to tell you. you. Can't imagine. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> did you like it? Was it good? Yeah. It's excellent, yeah. Maria's Northern Mexican Cuisine. Yeah, El Beso's there and and Maria. So I'm glad that you found that. And, uh, you know, after the game tonight, uh, my friend, uh, I I was told, uh, go on down, tell Jesus to go to On the Rocks. All right, look for Christy with a C. (laughs) She might be there. Cat with a K. A couple of our loyal Canadian listeners on the rocks after the game. So go go check that out. Or, uh, Or go to Joey, Joey in the Bell Tower. All right there by the arena, my friend. Okay, I'll be there. You know, it's. Uh, I hope we can take this. Uh, you know, Adam Hill is going to be on the net tonight. Uh, I don't know who's. I don't know if they flew in. Uh, somebody already from uh, Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know if Giri Patera is, is, is there. We don't know yet. And you know what? What's really frustrating. This is the only league uh, uh, TC that they don't. They're not specific with the injuries. They just said lower body or upper oh, body. Know. You know, or yeah. That helps a lot, of course. You know, and, and uh, but we don't know. The thing is that the Vegas Golden Knights have to do exactly what they did in the last game. You know, just try to concentrate, focus on Grace Huddle, and uh, try to nullify, nullify uh, um, Connor McDavid, and and uh, don't give up power plays because of five. Five on five, we are way better than them. This is a team that relies on only two, two really, um, two players: mm-hmm. Bryce Huddle and Connor McDavid. Yep. Yep. And Vegas Golden Knights. If you look at the score uh, of the score sheet, everyone scores. You know, I mean, what a goal from uh, White Cloud the other day! Mm-hmm. Everyone in Vegas is so balanced. Yes. So I think we can make it. All right. We will make it. We'll look forward to uh, the action tonight. We'll be watching, and uh, I know our Spanish audience will be listening to you, my friend, at 1460 and uh, on the uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh, uh, Spanish uh, radio network. My friend, enjoy Edmonton. Enjoy the call tonight. Rest up that voice, and let's talk to you uh, when you get back to Vegas. Thank you very much, Tizzy. My pleasure, my friend. My pleasure. Be well. Appreciate you, brother. There is Jesus Lopez does a fantastic job on the uh, Spanish side of the Golden Knights. The Spanish voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, we send you out to Paul Buck, Power Stewart's favorite. There's always been one of my favorites. Always Pet Shop Boys, West End Girls. You got to love it. All right. The long intro is great, too. I love this. I want to thank Alan Snell for joining us. Hey, Jesus Lopez as well. All right, check it out tonight. Tomorrow, we're back at it. Scott Spritzer will join us. Recap Warriors, Lakers. 
Also, Knicks can they stay alive against the Miami Heat tonight in the NBA playoffs? And then the Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers should be a good one as well. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. Call the police, there's a madman around, running down. Oh.